You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. Hey, if uh, you can put along, put away, uh, or uh, wait, if you can uh, step away from burning your Nikes for a couple for for a couple minutes and listen to us, we're going to talk about some geek news this week, huh, John? Hey, sometimes you got to stand up in order to kneel. Oh, wait, wait, no. Nope. <laughs> All right, that's about as much political as we get on this podcast. I'm sorry, I just I just needed to talk. I needed to say something about that. I just thought that was. That's the thing that's happening this week. Anyways. At least it's not books that are burning. It, true. <laughs> Very true. Okay. Uh, guess what? Have you ever heard of uh, Universal's Islands of Adventure? I've heard of it. So over there at Universal Studios in Orlando, they have um, Islands of Adventure. Islands of Adventure. I think that's what the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is part of. I don't know. It might not be. Yeah, because you think of like tropical temperatures when you think of Harry Potter. <laughs> well, they uh, one of their islands of adventure is, I know is the Marvel Island, where it has all the people dressed up like, uh, you know, Marvel characters. I assume that that's going to be going away here pretty soon with Disney, like maybe taking that stuff away. I don't know. That would make sense, yeah. So... It sounds like they might be having a opening over there because Islands of Adventure in Universal is going to have a Zelda-themed land. That is interesting. Uh, so is it going to be primarily based on like this current Breath of the Wild or Breath of the Wind, uh, whatever this current game is called, like the setting? or uh, You know, let's see. In the theme park uh, wars, no, Universal is going to have to implement some flashy new changes. To lure guests over for the galaxy far, far away, which that's right, Disney or uh, yeah, Disney's gonna have their Star Wars lands here coming up pretty soon. Uh, uh, they're going to split the intellectual property across multiple parks, and more success specifically, a Zelda land is coming to Universal's Islands of Adventure in Florida. Uh, Theme Park University reports that a Zelda land will be arriving at Islands of Adventure, replacing the Lost Continent area of that park and encompassing the area from Seuss Landing to the Wizarding World of Hogsmeade. Before we go any further, we should note that while we cannot confirm the story yet, we can confirm that Theme Park University has a rock-solid track record. But consider all of this a rumor for now. This, I'm getting this from SlashFilm.com. Ah. Super Nintendo World is going to be one park in Universal Studios Japan. Check out a bunch of concept art there. But splitting Nintendo characters across multiple parks in Orlando fits right in with the resort strategy. Instead of potentially alienating guests who aren't wild about Nintendo or video games, um, uh, 
with a single park full of the content, Universal is going to distribute those lands and attractions throughout the other parks, splitting the Wizarding World of Harry Potter across multiple nearby parks, worked like gangbusters, so this move makes a lot of sense. So yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't really say anything about what the land would be looking like. It just says, uh, no, no one shed a tear for Lost Continent, the islands of adventure area that's being replaced by the new Zelda land. It used to be twice as big before Harry Potter took over half of it, and now it's merely a shadow of its former self. Now, I love Legend of Zelda, but to be fair, I haven't actually played a Zelda game since, like, Majora's Mask on the 64. Fair enough. Um, so, like, I, so I never played... you missed played, Twilight P- Princess. I missed Twilight Princess. I missed Wind Waker. Wind Waker. And I definitely haven't played the most recent one that came out on the... Uh, the Wii. What's the new one called? Is it the Wii U? The yeah, Wii Switch? U, the Switch. Switch, that's right, yeah. Um, wow, I sound like an old man now. <laughs> well, that's okay. Nintendo's kind of but, predominantly for younger crowds. That being said, I've always thought that um, if they adapted like the locations of the dungeons, um, especially like the kinds that you see in Ocarina of Time, the, uh, the forest temple was awesome because it was essentially like a haunted mansion that was overgrown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the you have the the fire temple uh the temple of time all these different locations really lend themselves to that fantastical environment and it'd be so great to see that in person in three dimensions and if they do have a theme park that's based around zelda you would have to have locations where there's like secret walls where you can put like some kind of like toy bomb and yes that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah you're gonna have to have that that's gonna have to be included somewhere in there like they're gonna have to be all these little easter eggs you're going to have to have a lake, kind of like the shark from Jaws in uh, Universal Studios. Right. Where there'll be uh, that fish monster that pops its head out. I forget what they call those. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I don't remember what they're called. Yeah, either. I can't remember their names anymore. But, um, yeah, there's going to have to be a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, it's going to be almost uh, intolerable how many people dressed as Link you'll probably be seeing around there. And well, I don't think the theme parks don't usually allow you to come in dressed as the characters just because you, they need the people that are dressed as the characters to be, you know, um, held accountable. Well, I know that's how they work at Disney, but I don't know if that was the same for like the other places because I know people go dressed as Harry Potter that's characters. That's true. To I didn't the think about that. Yeah, you're right. All right. Fair enough. So, and then you plus you'd probably have to keep a control over all the sword play because you know people are going to start fighting with the <laughs> fake swords and shields. That being said... But uh, I just want to hear the, you know, the, 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 the music cue for if you find a secret room or the music cue when oh, you open yeah. up a treasure box kind of thing you know or if you're like at a zelda themed restaurant you're looking at the menu and it's you're taking too long a little blue fairy pops out of somewhere hey says, hey hey <laughs> hey listen <laughs> i don't know i i would definitely make a trip to orlando if uh it once that opens it's not supposed to be opening till or i don't think they're even supposed to get started till 2019 so. oh i might actually have time to save up for it then there you go uh okay so mattel is taking a uh cue from hasbro and launching their own film division now you know hasbro is going to be doing like transformers and what gi joe no is yeah gi joe is, is at hasbro right I believe so. Yeah, G.I. Joe, um, Micronauts, and a whole bunch of other things. They're going to be making into one giant movie in movie division. So Mattel is going to do the same with their 
properties of uh, Barbie and Masters of the Universe and uh, I don't know what else they own. They own like uh, Mask and... Do they own Mask? I think so. I mean, they definitely own Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. There you go. Yeah. So, So, uh, I mean, is there anything in particular like movie-wise that you would like to see them make? Whatever they make. And I mean... Thomas and Friends. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I want to see Thomas and Friends combined with uh, Hot Wheels with He Man. Oh, He Man! Yeah, they 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 get that portal key that whatever they call that and uh, oh god in the Courtney Cox nineteen eighty nine yes, movie that Courtney Cox vehicle. Yeah, and um, <laughs> oh, I guess it is Dolph Lundgren is He Man in that. I forget about that. Yeah, that's true. Which is such such a shame. They picked such an intelligent man to play such a bimbo character. It's <laughs> a <laughs> genius, like, 160 IQ that he has and hey, doctorates. And like, yeah, he decided to do what he wanted to do. He could have stayed and be, been a scientist somewhere, but no, he wanted to be a movie star. I guess so, yeah. I mean, he made the right choice, apparently. Uh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> well, we remember him more for his uh, movies than for his uh, scientific achievements. Well, that's so. only because we don't. He didn't do his scientific <laughs> achievements. What if he would? His career as a scientist could have, you know, created sustainable fusion. That's true. He he robbed us of all of his uh, scientific genius by choosing Hollywood. Exactly. Hollywood Stallone and his like, you know, getting him to come over and be in Rocky. Four, whatever. <laughs> Wasn't it five? No, I four. think it was four. Oh yeah, four. Yeah. Four was the one where Ivan Drago. They do the Russian kills Apollo. Which I mean, he's coming back to uh, Creed, so that's awesome. Creed two, that's right. I wonder how he is now. Well, he was just recently. Well, he's going to be in Aquaman. He's going to be uh, Mara. Is he in Aquaman? She's gonna, he's going to be Mara's uh, father, which uh-huh. is weird because in the comic book, the character that he's playing is actually Mara's. Uh, engaged husband like she was supposed to be engaged to him oh that's awkward but they changed it in the movie to be her father uh he recently i think within the last two years did kindergarten cop 2 oh that was that recent yeah oh man and uh he was also in arrow like two seasons ago as uh i think he was the his character had the same name as the character that's red rocket i believe in in comic books oh. in the dc comic books but but uh, he didn't play that character. Has Lundgren ever been in a movie with Schwarzenegger other than The Incredibles? Uh, not The Incredibles, The, the Expendables? Uh, no, I think that's it. Just The Expendables. Yeah, it's, it seems like those two would have crossed paths at some point. Well, you know, him and uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone are, are good friends. Well, at least they used to be. Hmm. And yeah, they, did, they did the Planet Hollywood stuff together. And yeah. they did Escape Plan. So, yeah, they're good friends. It's Oh, it's Stallone and Willis that aren't good friends anymore. Oh. Because I guess Willis didn't want to come back for the third Expendables movie for whatever reason. Because he's a jerk. It's what people say. That's <laughs> what I've heard. That's what he heard, yeah. Uh, so, I, I would assume that Stallone and, and Lundgren are friends. And so, Schwarzenegger and Lundgren probably are friends, too. They've at least been at a couple of cookouts, I'm sure. Sure. Those, Same uh, functions. Those roids laced steaks. I mean, I'm not saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to Mattel. Was there any particular uh, property that you would like to see a movie of? I'd like to see He-Man. But more importantly than that, I'd like to see crossovers with the different properties. They so have been talking about a Masters of the Universe movie for a while. Yeah, so at some point I want to see 
like He-Man cross paths with Barbie. Have there be a scene where Ken just feels really inadequate next to He-Man, <laughs> and then uh, you know he like starts to work out, and then they we're gonna have like bodybuilder Ken. I mean, they have all those animated Barbie movies. Like, what would a live action Barbie movie look like? What I mean is. I understand that there's a lot of different iterations of Barbie in 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 the toy line, right? You know, there's right. astronaut Barbie, there's you know executive Barbie, there's Malibu Dreamhouse Barbie, or is that just Malibu? It was Spacey? pregnant Barbie at some point. I, sure, why not? You can I mean, but what what, what storyline do you go through for a movie? I would start back from the beginning. I would go back to the very first Barbie and her whole thing, which is that she's the modern woman and she's finding out that. Uh, you know, you can do anything in life as long as you dress well. Ouch. Well, I mean, I think it's more of, you know, if you as long as you believe in yourself kind of thing. There's a really good documentary and work hard at it. on Netflix. There's a documentary series. I think it's called The Toys That Made Us. Right. And one of the episodes is uh, set on Barbie. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the first version of Barbie had nipples. Okay. Uh, because the it's idea for Barbie... Correct. Yeah, the idea for Barbie was apparently stolen from like a German toy. Okay, like a lot of things were back then. Apparently, we just I think they were all stolen from stolen from German toys. I just think the ideas are stolen. Yeah, from in, in general. So that original idea included uh, Barbie with nipples. So I guess the guy had to file them down real quickly once it was discovered that she was a little too anatomically correct, and that's why she became just a, a smooth criminal up there oh smooth criminal huh it's one way of putting it <laughs> all right well uh i don't know i mean more power to him make more movies whatever you know cool if, if they make a barbie movie i hope she doesn't have nipples either <laughs> as much of a fan as i am i'd prefer to stick close to the source material <laughs> and a smooth area and yeah everything's just all smooth there's just no genitalia or secondary sex organs <laughs> wow uh, all right. Well, Hulu has picked up <laughs> Veronica Mars to uh, do a series revival. Um, I don't know. If m- most people, I, I I was a huge fan of the of the show. I never watched it. Yeah, I, I, to me it was it was great because I love detective shows and then I fell in love with Kristen Bell from that show. So. See, uh, I mistakenly thought that it was science fiction and that Mars was actually like either where she was from or where it took place. Oh, really? So when I found out, it was like, oh, it's just some girl who's investigating because like her friend was killed or something. And, well, I always oh, thought it was yeah. weird that her last name is Mars and the, the town she's in, she lives in is called Neptune. So it's like, why why all these like Roman God references or Ooh, Zodiac planetary? Killer? Maybe. I don't know. But it never really had anything else going like never nothing ever came of it i i don't think you know there's a part in our hometown here that's like behind where the old kmart building used to be where all the streets are like solar themed or like space themed yeah i think so street and uranus avenue and well yeah that sounds like there's a joke waiting to happen there but yeah i thought that was interesting i was like oh this tiny little like 12 block area just has like space sounding names and everything and it's like little just a little bit of an offshoot there well there you go there's a little bit of yuma news for everybody that (laughs) that doesn't live in yuma for you uh but yes i was a big i was a huge fan of the tv series um when they came back a few years ago with the crowdfunded movie uh i thought it was a decent movie but it was very much you could tell that it was crowdfunded and that you know they just kind of made 
uh, three episodes into a movie kind of thing, like which they tend to do with a lot of stuff that that's like that. Like the Entourage movie was the same way. Was it still in continuity, or was it kind of yes. like its own story? No, it was in, it was it was still in continuity, but it was its own story also. Mm. Um, this is going to be, I would assume, picking up right where the movie left off, and this shows, and it's going to be funded by Hulu, not by crowdsourcing or anything like that. Uh, but it's only going to be eight episodes long, which is fine because you know they might be able to pack more in since there's no commercials and stuff like that. Uh, and she, uh, Kristen Bell, will continue to do the Good Place as well while while making this while making this show. So I'm happy. Well, I'm happy that you're happy. Good because you you've never seen the, an episode of the show. I will <laughs> sit down and make you watch. The rest. <laughs> I hope that means that Hulu is going to pick up the the show though, like the 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 previous seasons oh the, so, the, the it, other ones is it, it not streaming anywhere else right no now? it used to be on netflix but it's not on netflix anymore so not even amazon has it i don't think so what was it on before uh it used to be on the cw so it's not on the cw streaming app right uh not that i know of but no uh it, um i i don't i i mean i haven't really looked at the cw streaming app so i don't know exactly where it's at but um i just know it's not on netflix anymore uh anyways i just am excited to see more of Kristen bell and veronica mars because i i did really enjoy that show and i don't think really anybody else from that show is doing anything so <laughs> rob thomas the creator of the show is uh, uh not the singer not the singer Matchbox 20 not the singer of matchbox 20 uh, he's also the creator for um, iZombie, which I believe is their last season, or they, they either oh, yeah. is their last season this year. So there's that. Uh, all right. You had a story you wanted to talk about? Yes. Uh, so, in other news, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, one of my favorite shows growing up as a kid because I didn't know any better. <laughs> uh, this was on. I mean, this is like kind of like the, you know, one of the original anthology horror shows yeah at least for us it was it was slightly better than goosebumps okay. which i think came out if not around the same time maybe a little bit later goosebumps came out a little bit later yeah um but yeah this was like a horror show that wasn't too bad but it was on nickelodeon's uh i think they used to call it snick yeah because saturday night nickelodeon yeah it wasn't quite nick at night because um, that was more like the Andy Griffith show and things like that. But this is more like, hey, kids, like we know that you want to be edgy, but you also can't do anything and be independent <laughs> and there's no internet yet. So here's some slightly edgier material. And uh, yeah, I really liked that. There was a few stories on there that I still stick with me today because I think like, man, that was like pretty cool. Um, and some that were kind of stupid. Uh, but I'll always remember the one where... Um, these and they all involved kids of course and one involved a kid who was working at a magician shop and somehow discovered a portal to another dimension and some evil being was trying to get through and with the help of the magician that owned the shop they did spells to try to counter the the invasion or whatever and uh so they think they won they opened the front door to get out of the shop and there's this huge fucking eyeball like staring right back at them and the whole point is that, like, yeah, they thought they were getting somewhere, but because the magician that owned the shop was essentially a, a charlatan, mm. like, it did nothing. And, right. like, the invasion from another dimension happened anyway. And I'm like, man, that's dark. <laughs> but I like it. 
And I always like the idea of like just a bunch of kids going out into the middle of the woods around the campfire. Usually, I guess their parents' permission from the sound of it, because it usually sounds like they have to sneak out yeah. in the middle of the night. Right. And uh, and the 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 visual of them always throwing that like powder or whatever that was into the fire just to make that little flare up. Right. It was like ooh, you know. <laughs> but like child me was like that is awesome. Like that's so cool. You know, like I was easily impressed. So they're making a live action movie of that. <laughs> Um, the director or the writer of the movie, who I guess has worked on Annabelle and The Nun, which means this is going to be chock full of like friggin' like jump scares and loud noises, um, <laughs> says that it's going to be very reminiscent of things like Gremlins and Monster Squad. Which, at the very least, if it's the you know the kind of horror that's also very funny, but not in a self-deprecating way, like you treat it straight, but there's just funny elements within it. I'm all for it. I already am giving it a pass just for nostalgia's sake. Uh, and I think it has the potential to be decently good. Although, I don't think it's going to appeal to the youth of today. No. I think it's going to be more for like the older people like ourselves oh, who okay. like originally watched it. Because nowadays you have things like Five Nights at Freddy's and Slenderman and all these other ridiculous like internet sourced you know stories and uh, even video games and even things like paranormal activity at this point where like nothing happens for 90% of the movie like that is what draws in all the money because you know a they're made super cheap so you don't spend a lot on them and they practically market themselves and that's what you know dumb teenagers want to go watch apparently not calling them out or anything i'm just saying <laughs> like well i know i wouldn't say that the teenagers of today are any more dumb than teenagers of any time I just feel teenagers is a dumb. Well, back in my day, <laughs> back in your day, teenagers were dumb too. Don't, don't worry. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, cool. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark movie? I, it'd be interesting to see. I guess it could be a thing. Uh, I don't know if it was. It was Are, Are you afraid of the dark or Goosebumps? But I remember one episode of one of the shows where there was a, a bunch of kids on in a camp somewhere. And uh, I think they were being attacked by werewolves. That was Goosebumps. Was it? And yeah. then you, at the end of the episode, you look up and then you see the earth instead of seeing like the moon. And they're like, oh, now we can make our way to, to earth or something like that. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that was Goosebumps. It subverted your expectations. Yeah, I remember that episode. I read the book version too. The book was a little better, surprisingly. Um, I think just for budget reasons, probably, there was like a lot more descriptions of technology and whatever. Um, in the book, the f you don't actually look up and see Earth. They just mention it as like, yeah, this this was just uh, part of your training so that you can be prepared because where we're going is the most dangerous place in the universe. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to Earth. Oh. And that's basically how it ended. And I was like, wait, what? So this whole time, this was like an alien planet and like this whole like camping situation because they, they don't have any mention. Well, you don't see technology in the episode. It just looks like they're in summer camp. Right. Um, and yeah, it turns out that that wolf monster, the, the werewolf thing was just some kind of animatronic creature. Uh, I mean, it was in reality, but also within the story, it also was an animatronic creature. So the idea is that there's a lot of werewolves on Earth and they needed to prepare to, to fight werewolves? or Well, no. The, basically, what they were saying is you need to be prepared for anything. So this is like the worst case scenario we can come up with. <laughs> werewolves it's, are the worst case it's, scenario? It's essentially, yeah. 
I mean, that would be a pretty terrifying scenario, <laughs> but I mean, nuclear holocaust might be a little bit worse. I mean, if they're getting like, you know, satellite feeds and they seem like they're, they're tuned into like the Fright Channel or something, <laughs> then they might want to be prepared for werewolves and vampires. Very true. Very true. Uh, all right. Um, well, that's a. Are you afraid of the dark? Is going to be made into a movie. We already had. Two, we already have two Goosebumps movies, so we'll see. We see how that worked out or is working out. And I don't know how I feel about the cl- the house with the clock in the walls. I, I don't like Eli Roth, so I, that's how I feel about that. Which also sounds dangerously close to being its very own porn parody. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Ferguson is in talks to play Lady Jessica in Vil- Denny Villeneuve's. Uh, Dune. dune like are you a dune fan i think we've talked about this before um i like the idea of dune i can never actually process the material because it's so dense <laughs> i mean they already have they already cast timothy chalamet as uh atreides atrakides whatever is his atreides. atreides okay uh and lady jessica would be his mother uh, i think they only they're only separated by like 12 years so they would definitely have to play play it up that she's either going to look older or he's going to look younger well no she looks pretty young in the original movie too like really she's she doesn't have that elderly aspect to her yeah what i like about the lead character is that his last name is atreides but his first name is paul <laughs> i was like well i mean that's pretty quaint maybe it's a callback to i'm not even sure if it takes place in the future of earth or if this is just like some other like galaxy far far away type situation i always assumed that's what it was so i i don't even know that for sure like it's just there's so much there to to consume and i still recommend anybody that's any fan of science fiction in general and uh, if you like documentaries watch jodorowsky's dune if you want to just have like a serious like like what the f moment of like they actually were gonna like came very close to making that movie oh really it would have had a pink floyd soundtrack with salvador dali as the emperor of the universe <laughs> and orson wells as the villain uh, it just sounded bonkers i mean didn't wasn't wasn't david lynch like supposed to do like empire strikes back or something it was he, supposed to do return of the jedi return of the jedi he, he dropped out for several reasons and i thought had, it was to do this I think I don't think it was specifically to do this, but uh, conversations fell apart, and then he did this. Oh, okay. Which I mean, he did fantastic with what he was given, but it was still just one of those like unadaptable kinds of stories. Like they they made Dune into a miniseries on Sci-Fi several years ago. I want to say maybe twenty years ago. It was a long time ago, um, and that was like a three or four part miniseries. And even then, it still couldn't really capture everything. There's just so much material there. Hmm. It's one of those where it's like you just have to read the book. It's practically unfilmable. But that's why I'm really curious about how they're going to do it with this one. Right. I mean, Denny Villeneuve really hasn't made a movie that I didn't like up until Blade Runner 2049. So, And you know what? I can't say I don't like it. It's definitely... I, you, I'll give you this. I like his directing of that movie i okay. think the the look of the movie the you know everything around the movie is great except for the actual story in the movie i just don't care about like it's just like ah okay so, i can see that yeah so but I, it was a freaking gorgeous movie it was a gorgeous movie it looked great and sounded great yeah <laughs> uh henry cavill has been cast as geralt i think it's gerald 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 okay uh the witcher for the netflix series witcher uh 
I don't play that video game, so I have no idea what any of that really means, other than he's going to be the lead character in a video game-based movie. I think uh, it's one of those games like God of War, where it's like hyper-violent, very fantastical, and I think you also get to bang like on screen, like as your character. <laughs> oh, do you? So I'm like, that sounds like a winning combination to me. <laughs> um, do you think this is going to affect him playing Superman anymore? I don't think he doesn't want to play Superman anymore. I think he does. Do you? I really do. I really do. I just don't think that they have any plans for a Superman movie, like Man of Steel 2, essentially, anytime soon. Yeah, I so don't think, I think we've heard anything about that. Yeah, I think he's going to show up in cameos in a lot of the future DC movies. But other than that, I, which allows him to film a, series, a TV series if he wants. What would be awesome is because if you've seen the character, he has like white hair, essentially, mm-hmm. kind of longish white hair. Right. Uh, you know, a couple of scars on his face. I really hope that for contractual reasons, he has to get that done like permanently. And then they have to keep photoshopping that out of his like future Superman performances. <laughs> God. So he just has like CGI hair and like you can see like smudges on his face where they're trying to like block out the the scars that he had to get permanent as part of his contract you're terrible that would be awesome don't don't do that we don't need another mustache gate (laughs) something to go worse uh i also think it's interesting that you know an up-and-coming movie star like this would def would go and make a tv series i mean i know it's netflix and stuff but it's still tv well from what i heard he's a real big video game fan Mm. and he is actually a really big fan of the series as well as a matter of fact i saw the interview where somebody asked him point blank uh, they said, hey, would you want to star as Geralt in the Witcher series? And he was like, if they made one, I'd be very interested. And they tell him, well, Netflix is working on one. And he said something. It, it sounded like as a joke. And at this point, who knows if he already knew something and was just toying with the oh. interviewer or not. But he was like, ooh, I need to speak to Netflix about that then. And I mean... It, it, he was a very big fan favorite for a long time and you know that's one of the things that came out was like oh netflix listened to the fans and they cast henry cavill like i know once again a lot of people were like hey stephen lang would be a good choice but i think that's you know which i thought he would have made a great cable but like essentially whenever you see there's an older guy with a beard and is in really good shape like people were like oh stephen lang like he should be <laughs> it should be him well now it should also be uh, jk simmons that's true he's jacked <laughs> uh like i want whatever supplemental hormones he's getting off of uh which commercials like a lot of people were like oh he did that for gordon no but you know, he's barely in Justice League, so that couldn't have been for Gordon. And I haven't seen anything where he's flexed, like, showed off muscles, like, to, to that degree. Well, so, he had to be strong for uh, Whiplash because he had to fling those chairs he, around. He didn't even have that yet. He, did, he started getting into shape after Whiplash. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I watched, like, the first few episodes of Counterpart, which was on Stars, and I don't think, like, it didn't really see that, like, he was showing off the guns and that at all but he is playing like a spy kind of thing so maybe he had to do a lot of running perhaps die hard six has got itself a title it's going to be called mclean what do you think of this like i think we talked about this before the idea that it's going to be a prequel well i think what the idea is going to be you're going to have uh bruce willis as present day john mcclain telling a story of young john mcclain the beat cop and one of the days that he you know went it went shit went shit shit went crazy and you'll have a younger actor playing the younger john mcclain 
possibly Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I mean, there is precedent, so... <laughs> Just got to give him that nose prosthetic and some uh, green eyes or whatever it, yeah, he has. Yeah, exactly. You know? No, I mean, I don't know who, who would you get to play a young John McClane at this point. I think, you, I think you have to get someone that's relatively unknown. Probably. But I, I don't know. I haven't watched any of the Die Hard movies after the third one. I've only seen like the honest trailers and stuff where they point out how ridiculous they get from four. then onward. I look, I didn't think four was all that bad. Um, there are some extravagant points, but that's because that's, I think that's the point where, or where Bruce Willis takes over as the owner of the franchise. And he's like, no, this is, this is the shit that needs to happen to, to make my, me look like more of a superhero kind of thing. Yeah. Like he avoids a helicopter by ducking between two cars that almost collided with him to begin with. Well, he also, he throw he drives a, a car up other cars to take out the helicopter <laughs> and jumps out at the last second. So that, yeah, that's all ex- very exciting. And then yes, this, the fifth movie where he goes to Russia to, to help out his son, you know, is also once again, is super extravagant, super over the top, but like, that's kind of what happens in sequels. Like they just have to become, they have to over overdo themselves. And that's just what happens. Look, the third one is, I might get, I might get shit for this, but the third one's my favorite. The third one's awesome. Yeah, the third one is yeah. awesome. I love that third one with uh, with Simon. I mean, and, it's not like we're talking about Blade or something where you're just wrong. Uh, this one, the, the third one is. Do awesome. I have to kick you out again? <laughs> I mean, look, the first one is is amazing. Yeah, I, I will always love the first one, but the the, the third one is my favorite. The second one just. Uh, I want to say I don't I even like want to talk sec- about the, the third one. one. Is probably my favorite as well. I mean, yeah. the first one was awesome for just introducing the character and the premise, and it's just got that you know. Is it a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? He says that it's not. Well, see, he's wrong about that. It is most definitely a Christmas movie. It's definitely a Christmas movie. Do do the people that make the movie get to decide? No, once you put the movie out, it is now part of the public domain and the public gets to decide. Well, see, there's another problem, too, is that I have to learn this the hard way, is that the people who are in the movies don't necessarily care about them. That's true. It's like a lot of people will harass the actors and like hound them for like trivia and questions. And they don't know. And then, yeah, and then they're shocked when they're like, oh, it's, it's almost like he doesn't care about this thing that he did and i was like because he was just the gun for hire like he literally had that came conversation in. with the writer or the concept artist there you or something go like. yeah the writer production art, designer maybe even the director yeah but like, yeah you're right they, these people they come in they learn their lines and they're done with it they don't want to try and remember that stuff because they got uh, the next project to go on to yeah there's a funny story of uh i think it was luke wilson uh the one from idiocracy Yes. Yeah. He was on, I think it was like on Conan or something. And he said it was kind of early in the morning. He was like a little drowsy still, just waiting in line to order some coffee. Somebody in line was like, hey, are you here for a hand job? And he was like, what? Like he was just really worried out that somebody would just tell him that in public. And it didn't realize till later because somebody explained it to him when he told someone else about that story. It was like, oh, that's a line from your movie that you were in. Oh, and that like, people what? really and, like. Yeah. And he was like, oh. And then it made sense to him, but it was like, dude, I don't remember any of my, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Why do you think I'm going to remember a line from a movie that I did like 10 years ago? So That's yeah. ridiculous. Um, well, I mean, how do you feel about it being called McLean? I think that leads credence to the idea that after this one, you would be following another actor as John McLean. I'm not thrilled about it because, like, it's it didn't start off as like a superhero. It to in my mind, I figured like he was just a beat cop, 
you know well he's a detective by the time he gets to the first movie or well he's a detective but yeah you know his work kind of cost him his marriage right marital problems and all that i always just kind of figured that like this was like the highlight of his life like this is what everything built up to and then it just like you know, the resolution was that it had a positive effect on his life overall, his marriage, and all that other stuff. Um, so, like, what are we going to watch in a potential prequel situation that would be as compelling? I, I mean, I still think, I, I, and I've heard this this argument before, like, up until that point, everything is supposed to have been ordinary. Because he's supposed to be the ordinary Joe that just gets thrown into an extraordinary situation. Yeah. And... I want to say is that he's still a cop, though. Like, every day working as an NYPD police officer, I would assume, is not ordinary. Like, you know, things are going to go down. So what if it's like, maybe maybe not as extreme as the raid, but what if he was in a, a, a tenement or a, what are those a housing project where he had to, where he got stuck? And uh, in, in between a gang thing going on, like don't do terrorists, don't do a terrorist thing, because then, because <laughs> then it makes it seem like what happens in the first one is not so out of the out of question for him. So, what will be the time frame this would take place in? Assuming we're all following real time, this would have been like late seventies, early early eighties. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, like so late seventies. So in that time frame in New York, you're looking at like. Summer of Sam type stuff. Yeah, maybe he was involved in Summer of Sam situation. <laughs> I mean, that's that's interesting. Like, I would, I would, I want to see this movie. I think, I think that's an interesting thing. If you have, maybe you have the older John McClane, whatever situation that he's he finds himself in, that he's remembering this younger story that the two things are connected. Like, maybe he was chasing a serial killer, and and now the serial killer got out of prison, and he's putting two and two together, kind of thing. I want to see Tall Tales by John McClane. I want to see him start to like go a little bit senile. He's uh-huh. getting his stories confused. He's misremembering things. So like, there's a lot of fantastical elements and like Deus Ex Machina type stuff. Right. Because obviously he survives up until that point. So you know, it's like not like he's in immortal danger, but you know, maybe some like his partner who was like you know days away from retirement. And, you know, now, now I'm just quoting Lethal Weapon. But, uh, you know, like he was the loose cannon and uh, he or had to be reined in. By maybe s- it's like his first day on the job with his training officer. Like what if, you know, you you see a lot of the attributes that we 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 uh, attribute to John McClane or th- things that he was taught by his training officer. I guess so. So like you see the president for him like being used to walking on glass so like when it happens later <laughs> well not that not not maybe that extreme but uh i don't know like pissing off the wrong authority or uh learning to improvise like putting like strapping a gun taping a gun to your back when you're in a you know a bad situation kind of thing you know where you're supposed to seem like you're not you don't have your weapon on you kind of thing he's a big fan of macgyver yeah. Well, yeah, because that happens also in um, three. In three, yeah. Yeah, when inside the, the sandwich, sandwich board. board. Yep, exactly. What did that sign say? It says, oh. <laughs> "How dare you try to get me to say it?" <laughs> but it said something that it shouldn't say in the middle of Harlem. Let's, uh, yeah. let's say that huh. I hate N words. There you go. That's the one. Yeah. God, uh, I want to watch that movie again. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, I, I like I said, I'm excited if they ever get that movie off the ground. If they don't ever get it around, I'm not going to lose any sleep of it either. Uh, Maybe a cameo by Kevin Smith. 
Oh, I don't think that will happen. <laughs> uh, we talked about this movie on, on the podcast already. We did our little review of it in Incredibles 2. Apparently, they've come out and said that in the Blu-ray release of it, there will be a short movie that will depict Edna and Jack-Jack's night together when she watched him for the night. And obviously, he was a perfect angel and she did experiments on him and, st- and shit. So... I, I want to see that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, you said that was on, on the first DVD was when you got the Jack Jack Attack story, right? Yep. Yeah, or was that just a short that they released later? Um, they also released it later, but like it was included on the DVD first oh, okay. as like a bonus feature. So yeah, that's uh, it wasn't just that too. They had a lot of really good bonus stuff in that first one. They even had, um, you know how they have like the theme songs of the cartoons uh, that they were part oh, of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually had like a a short cartoon that supposedly took place in the during the time when they were heroes hmm. with um, Samuel L. Jackson and Craig T. Nelson in character doing commentary for the cartoon. Wow. It was pretty funny. It I'm was, pretty sure was, I have that Blu-ray, so I might go check out some of those special Yeah, yeah there's some really good stuff in there. Uh, I, I'm excited because I haven't watched the movie since I saw it in the theater, so I, wouldn't mind, I can't wait till the Blu-ray comes out and I can watch it again. Uh, and definitely maybe dive in more to some of the aspects of it. Like I, I still have my grievances with that movie, like how we really don't resolve anything by the end of the movie. Yeah. But uh it I did really I did would enjoy lend it. itself to be serialized. This this would benefit from being like a a season long show with uh overarching plots as yes. well as like yes, very much regular so. stuff. Because I think that was the big problem is you waited fourteen years for essentially it, like part two of a or like episode two of a yeah what could have been a 10 episode series type right thing. exactly so and I, I mean it made a lot of money this summer so i would assume that it's going they're going to be doing a third one but if i don't know if that's dependent on brad bird or not i think it does yeah because he didn't want to do a sequel he didn't yeah. want to do a sequel for iron giant after it eventually became a cult classic i still haven't seen that it's it's good it, it? it's yeah I, don't know. I, I think it's good i, I mean it has a cop-out ending but <laughs> I, I, it's still great overall uh last thing i want to talk about is all the pictures that were released by ew for captain marvel starring brie larson i like them i like that its color is uh correct as opposed to that weird green that well we that's saw. they they we we know what the green is that she that is the uniform for the star force that her and uh, Marvel. Well, yeah, we don't know if Jude Law is playing Marvel or not, but no. he's essentially Marvel. Okay. Uh, yeah, they that's their uniform. So obviously, she's going to adapt the Star Force uniform in, uh, put in the red and uh, gold over and blue instead of just the black and green. When she's the last member of the Star Force, maybe that could definitely be a thing. Um, so. Uh, in my understanding, because I really don't know a lot about Captain Marvel, I really don't know anything, really, to be fair. Um, so either iterations, it, huh? Either iterations, like yeah, either one, yeah. Jude, or Marvel, or like I know more about Carol Quasar Danvers. than I do about Captain Marvel. <laughs> All right, but um, yeah. So uh, my understanding is based on like what they've been releasing is that uh, she's like an Air Force pilot or some such, and. We made contact with aliens in like the early '90s, and Nick Fury still has both eyes at this point. I mean, that's kind of what they're showing us in these pictures, yeah. So, like, basically, she becomes like the human represent uh, representative to like communicate with these aliens. They whisk her away. She becomes part of the Star Force. Is that what I'm getting here? Yeah, I I, I think that's you're on the right track. 
Okay, so yeah, that's kind of what I was kind of putting together just from what they've been releasing and the little I've read about it. But yeah, I, I know very little overall about like the history of the character or uh, the importance within Marvel. And well, from what I understand, you know, and I don't know much about Carol Danvers' character either in the comic books. Uh, she, I mean, that's I don't think that's the story that's in the comic books. It, it's more of she get, ends up getting space powers uh, because of Captain Marvel, and he takes her on as a as a sidekick, so to speak. And, um, you know, eventually when Captain Marvel, as Captain Marvel, dies from space cancer, you know, she, <laughs> she kind of takes on the mantle. Uh, but she's always known as uh, Miss Marvel. It wasn't until the early 2000s that she became Ms. Marvel. Uh, I think that's when they started giving her more, they, they started diving more into her backstory of being a Air Force pilot. And then, um, no relation to uh, Marvel Girl. No relation to Marvel Girl. And then you, then she just fully takes on the the mantle of Captain Marvel. Uh, even though she is a, I believe she's a major in the in the, in the Air Force, but Major Marvel maybe. Well, she's only a captain in Space Force. Ah, fair enough. That, that's how they translate the ranks. The and, ranks, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, they've they've said that the movie itself is not going to be a traditional origin story, almost a no origin story at all. Uh, by the time the movie starts, she's already going to be in outer space. Uh, you know, most uh, she's already going to have her powers. She will already be uh, part of Space Force kind of thing. So uh, it's it sounds like it's just going to get right off the like right off the, the road and, and, and going. Now these pictures we have, we have the, her in the costume, uh, her with the rest of the Space Force as they're meeting. Uh, what's it, Gorath the Pursuer and. Ronin the Ronin the Accuser, yeah. uh, played by Lee Pace, which I'm excited about. Uh, at this point, I didn't really know anything about the movie or who was going to be in it, other than Jude Law and Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. So seeing Ronin the Accuser again in like profile, holding the hammer, uh, I really liked his character. <laughs> I wish we had more of him, and this sounds like we're going to get more of him. So I'm kind of excited. It is. I mean, it's exciting. The I mean, after Guardians of the Galaxy one, you know, we didn't think you were going to see him again, and we have this movie that takes place in the 90s, so we definitely get to see him again. Jude Law, you know, in his uh, very her- heroic-looking stance right next to Brie Larson in what looks like maybe uh, casual clothing, casual fatigues that they're wearing. Uh, we have a, a picture of scrolls coming out of the ocean. Possible hints of... Uh Namor being in the Marvel Universe soon? I didn't, I didn't think about that, but sure, why not? Uh, like they went to wherever he lives first. There is a picture of Ben Mendelsohn, who we know is supposed to be playing a villain of some sort in the movie. Uh, I think some people have said that he might be a type of scroll, so this might be him in his human form because scrolls are shapeshifters. Um, another picture of, uh, or a picture of Ronan and and Jude Law's character, whoever they are, kind of being directed. Brie Larson in her Nine Inch Nails shirt and leather jacket. Because that's very 90s. Samuel Jackson with both eyes as Nick Fury. Uh, I wonder if this will be the movie where we show him lose it. it we might. We yeah. definitely might. Because uh, what's her... Um, Colby Smulders is also supposed to be in the movie at some point. So Maria Hill will be there. So that's interesting. Oh, really? Um, Brie Larson in the cockpit of a, of a jet fighter. And then we have a picture of another fight uh, jet fighter pilot, um, Maria 
Photon Rambeau. Now, this is kind of an interesting Easter egg, so to speak, because Maria uh, Rambeau is the mother of Monica Rambeau, who at one point was also a Captain Marvel, but she ends up taking the name Photon. Uh, she has space-based powers, and uh, and then she eventually goes on to the name Spectrum also when Genisvel takes the name Photon away from her. So... Uh, I don't know if you're talking about like comic book characters or yes. lecturing me about science class right now. <laughs> <laughs> Photons and spectrums. But yes, these are all comic book characters. So it's interesting that uh, it looks like uh, Maria and uh, Carol Danvers will at some point have a relationship. And then we know this takes place in the 90s. And when maybe when she comes back to present day, she will have a relationship with Monica Rambeau. Oh, I was going to say, maybe she uses her space powers to like impregnate a woman. <laughs> uh, and then we have the the big cover that she was on of Entertainment Weekly. So uh, I guess it's 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 a lot of hype for the movie. I just was expecting there to be a trailer at this yeah, point. Yeah, the I way that not. the way that Brie Larson teased it was like, "Hey, EW, let's break the internet." I'm like, "Yeah, uh, pictures are not breaking the internet." Yeah, a trailer would have broke the internet. Maybe. I mean. <laughs> Even as much as I like the Shazam trailer, I don't feel like that broke the internet, and that's probably one of the best ones that's come out recently. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, but Captain Marvel comes out in March, so there's a lot of time. I assume that ABC will be the first ones to have the movie probably during or have the trailer probably during a uh, football Monday game. night football game at some point. Maybe the first one. So maybe this coming Monday. So we'll see. Uh, all right, that's all the news that I had to talk about. Did you have anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I heard some Star Wars pictures were also released recently, but I'm not caring enough to follow those right now. Yeah, I mean, they were pictures of a jungle setting. Uh, there is a there is pic, there is like hints or whatever. There's parts of visual parts of the Millennium Falcon in there. I think some people were saying that maybe they're going back to Indoor. That's, that would be interesting. That's Indoor, right? The the, the Ewok planet, the forest planet. Yeah, yeah. the forest planet. So. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I, it's just what I've heard. That would be interesting because I I keep wondering. Like I, one of the things I hate so much about the Last Jedi is how Ryan Johnson purposely just ignored all of the little uh, mystery boxes that J.J. Abrams was setting up for. Mm-hmm. So like we still don't know how or why Kylo Ren has Darth Vader's helmet in that one scene. That's true. And I just always, I just actually assume that that's not really Vader's helmet. It's just a replica that he made, but <laughs> it could be. <laughs> He's just that much of a fanboy. Yeah. No, I, I think they were trying to imply that that was his original like helmet, but is I mean, it crushed? It was burned because it's burned. They burned the body. Well, Luke burned the body at the end of uh, return of the Jedi on Endor, the Ewok planet. Oh, that's right. He, uh, he brought the body back down with him and then, I guess when his when Darth it, Vader died, he eventually became one with the Force, just like Yoda and Obi Wan uh, Obi Wan did. And now so Luke, he's just symbolically, you know, burned the. Yeah, but would he have left. burned the costume? Like, because that's he, that's all that burned. It was uh, basically oh, the it? suit. Yeah. Oh, never mind. This is my not knowledge of Star Wars, folks. <laughs> I don't even remember the whole pyre scene so there you go yeah it was it was a short scene but i mean yeah it shows you why is it that there's a pyre for darth vader and and qui-gon but fucking obi-wan dies and he just disappears well there's a couple of reasons for that the in-universe explanation is that although qui-gon 
was very close to what they call the living force. Uh-huh. He hadn't actually learned how to do it, how to, uh, I guess, um, properly transubstantiate or oh. whatever you call it, like to, to transcend directly from the physical to the spiritual world. Um, but his spirit somehow still remained. And after years of like meditating, Yoda was able to communicate with Qui-Gon's spirit. And then during the time between uh, Revenge of the Sith and for, uh, a new hope i guess um yoda even told uh obi-wan's like oh i've been communicating with qui-gon i'll teach you how as well oh and then just during that whole process is how apparently they learned how to do that like did, basically when they die they just become one with the force directly did yoda disappear at the end of empire yeah. when he dies on, on he disappeared in the middle of Dagu? jedi oh jedi Okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, now, the real reason is because um, they didn't want the movie to be too bloody, so when they killed Obi-Wan, they just had him disappear. And then it's like, oh, what happened? We don't really know. And it's like, well, he just became one with the Force. Right. That's it. No explanation beyond that because back in 77, who knew there was going to be any more movies? That just happened. <laughs> you also just needed to make it a clean break. You didn't want to have like one of the main characters' like bisected body just laying there on the floor. <laughs> Um, although they had no problem uh, dismembering that one alien in the bar earlier. That's true. Which, for some reason, they hadn't worked out that lightsabers would cauterize a wound. It looks like super bloody and like, <laughs> like gnarly when it's like laying on the ground. But anyway, yeah. So and then they, they, they later made it canon. It's like, oh, well, when the Jedi dies, they disappear. And I was like, well, then why didn't Qui-Gon disappear? It's like, oh, well, because you need to have that physical like symbolism of you know destroying the body and all that but yeah that kind of paints us into a corner as to why he didn't disappear too don't all jedi disappear well why why is it just jedi why not sith like you see well because that canon wise is because the sith by very definition of their dogma cannot be a part of the living force they oh. are a corruption of the force and therefore cannot ever become a part of it, which is why one of their obsessions is immortality. That just because sounds like that sounds like Jedi propaganda to me. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, what it is is Jedi's go to heaven and Sith don't go anywhere. So, because they don't want to go nowhere when they die, they'd rather just stay alive as long as possible. Right. Okay. It, it is very uh, propagandish now that you mention it. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised our- there's no Jedi Pope. <laughs> I'm surprised too. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, Electric Dreams now that we went on for 50 minutes about the news <laughs> that we weren't supposed to. Uh, I feel like we can make this part of it very short, though. We're on episode... Seven, eight. 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 Episode eight for us, but it was episode two when it debuted in the BBC. It's called Impossible Planet, based on the short story by Dick Philip, T- Philip K. Dick called The Impossible Planet. I don't know what to think about... Th- I was. I started watching this episode... And I was super into it. I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. You know, you're seeing a very sci-fi-ish looking uh, tour guide uh, ship. And then, you know, all these people are going in and seeing this thing. And, like, you see him like, oh, he he boosts up the color to make it seem more extravagant and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I like it when space exploration is, is, is done in sci-fi is like to the point where it's so mundane that like people that do it are like, ah, it's not even that big a deal. Yeah. Like, kind it's of thing. like, it's like old hat. To yeah. Them. It's old hat. So I, cause I think that's interesting. Like, cause that's the same thing. I mean, I mean, 
I imagine the first cars that were around, people were like, oh my God, that's awesome. But now it's just driving cars, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but then this episode just doesn't go anywhere. Like, to me, nothing happens. Like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to take from this story. Is there a moral here? Is there, am I supposed to learn a lesson? Uh, you know, is there like a, a warning? Like, is there something about technology that I'm supposed to be like, oh, I should watch out for something like that at the end of this? Well, yes. Oh. Uh, I, too, began this episode really into it for exactly the same reasons. I love that mundane aspect of, like, this is our job. They're taking people on tours of the universe, and uh, they even make a point to say, like, oh, yeah, a long time ago there was mystery in the universe. Now we know everything, and it's just boring. Like, what are we doing? And it's there's, the, there's that corporate subplot. Yeah. Where the main character is trying to move up in like in his job, and he didn't get a promotion, and the the rejection like email that he gets is like so like templated. It's not even custom made. It just has like whatever when, information is relevant to him, like superimposed right. over like the video. Because it says this is your sixth time of trying <laughs> to apply, kind of thing. Yeah, and then it's got the the relationship subplot, which has another. Uh, but then that has absolutely nothing to do with nothing. Well, kinda. So here's the thing. This episode, I started being really into it. And then I got a little confused. I'm like, where's this going? And then I was like, oh, are they going to do like a complete 180 and make it seem that like, oh, this isn't about the exploration of space, but exploration of the soul or exploration of love. Like that's still something that we have not conquered yet or something. But the little details are really confusing because... Yes. So you have an old lady who's apparently rich. Not just old. 350 years old. Like, they, yes. have, they have learned to prolong life super long in this future. Yes. And so this lady is, like, decrepit. She can't hear. Which, um, what was the point of that? Like, what what does her being deaf have to do with anything? Other than the, the one line where she's like, well, I can hear certain people. Well, that was also really a really confusing detail that didn't seem to pay off. No. Because... I mean, it means that they could talk about the plot in front of her without her realizing it, I guess. Yeah, but she has a servant robot that, that would obviously tell her whatever it is that they're talking about. And she also had that little, like, translator device. Yeah, the little pillbox that Which actually... Which I'm like, we have that now, so I don't know why that seemed like it was such a special thing. It seems so clunky, too, for yeah. being far in the future. Like, it should... Like, there should be a heads-up display that just shows up in front of her face that says, this is what the people are saying. I mean, and if you're that far into the future, I would imagine you already have, like, you could probably, like, replace your eardrums with something newer or something. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, actual microphones. Yeah. So, that being said, um, here's where it started to kind of lose me. So, you have the lady come in. And she's like, I want to see Earth one last time, you know. And no, then, not one last time, but she wants to see it for the first time. Oh, it's well, just, for the, yeah, I guess that's right. She's never actually been there. Well, but not, yet, but there's also the reason why she's never been there is because it, it, died a long time ago earth doesn't even exist anymore well that's another thing like so they were like she wants to go to earth but earth does is is extinct or whatever does that mean it was physically gone because if it was just like if life was wiped out on it due to like solar activity or mm -hmm. whatever it was he said there should still be a floating rock out there unless it was just completely gone well i mean unless it went the way of krypton and like fucking it blew the, up yeah it blew up but like i guess they should have at least taken her to the like wherever it used to be right, rather than the, just the make up a place. Vacuum or space. But so I feel like that was an unnecessary plot device of like, well, we'll just take her somewhere that's similar. And they happen to find a place 
uh, a different solar system that also happened to have like nine planets, eight now technically. Um, <laughs> but but also the colors were all wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I also think I read that in the actual short story is that it's not so much that Earth is gone, but it's it's missing. Like no one really knows where it's at anymore. It's See, so far into the future. That would have made more sense to me. But then that wouldn't go with what they said of like because he he states in there is that we've charted everything. We know where everything is. Yeah. So how would you not know where Earth is if everything's been charted? I was I was really hoping, well not hoping, but eventually I was hoping that there was some kind of plot twist. Yeah, I was hoping for one too, but yeah. there never was one. But no, the, 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 this this subverted the expectations. I've really gotten sane to subverting expectations a lot because of episode eight. <laughs> but yeah, this was like, you think it's going to go one way. It goes a completely different way, but not in a satisfactory way. And... So here's where it got really creepy. Uh, so this lady kind of has like a little bit of a crush on the dude, the main guy. But it's because... Uh, Norton, <laughs> I think his name is. Uh, yeah, something like Mr. Norton, something like that. Uh, or Norton is just his name. Yeah. And uh, we haven't even well, mentioned Benedict Wong is in this. Yeah, I was going to talk about some of the actors. Uh, Norton is played by Jack Rayner. Uh, I knew him mostly... I, I recognize him from uh, Sing Street. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but it's, I think it's pretty good. But he also was in the fourth transformers movie he's the one that makes it a big deal of like i can date your daughter because of the romeo juliet law that oh, he that's keeps him he keeps the card in his i fucking... thought it was one of the hemsworth brothers no it wasn't one of the hemsworth brothers but it, that yeah like that's the creepiest fucking thing in that movie yeah uh but we then spend more time explaining that than anything else <laughs> but also in the he's also one of the actors that was up for han solo at one point oh really yeah i could see that uh, Benedict Guan is in the movie. He plays uh, the other person that fi- pilots the, the the tour ship. Mr. Andrews. Yeah, Andrews. Um, and then the Geraldine or Irma is played by Geraldine Chaplin, which you informed me before we started recording is actually a descendant of uh, Charlie Chaplin. Yep. The the actress is a descendant of Charlie Chaplin, which I thought was pretty cool. Now uh, Barbara, who is Norton's girlfriend, longtime girlfriend, uh, is played by Georgina Campbell. Who she was in uh, an episode of Black Mirror that we watched. I don't remember which episode at the moment. Yeah, her name was Amy, but I didn't see which episode she was in. She did, looked kind of familiar. Well, I know her mostly because of Krypton. She plays um, General Zod's ancestor. So, oh, yeah. oh, actually, General Zod's mother in that show. So, uh, she I, she's a great actress too. Um, but yeah, there's a definitely uh, the, this whole thing about. Uh, Geraldine, or I'm sorry, Irma is taken back the first time she sees Norton uh, because she he obviously looks exactly like her grandfather, which, once again, the timing... I, I, this has to be an alternate world or something like that, like how Game of Thrones is an alternate world because these people live forever. They live for super long. She says her grandmother lived for 275 years or something like that. Yeah. She's obviously living for 350 years. But her grandfather who is supposedly looks like Norton and her grandmother lived on earth in North Carolina, uh, you know, before everybody left earth, but he, the way that the clothes and the, the, the clothes that the grandfather wears in the flashbacks, looks and, like 1800s clothing. Kind yeah. Of. And the bicycle that, yeah, it's definitely like turn of the century kind of clothing and, and stuff like that. And, but he was the, one of the first ones of the, uh, that her family line to be like, hey, we need to move to this other planet because there's stuff that we can do on this planet, kind of thing. Yeah, the the timing is just weird. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand why 
this lady would have such a crush on her great grandpa. Yeah, I don't understand um, that either. She like at some point she kisses him, uh, Norton, uh-huh. and like is asking for help getting like into her great grandma's old dress, and she's got it practically hanging off of her like, like bare chest and back. Kind right. Of. I'm like, Ugh, I'm feeling really uncomfortable right like, now. And then yeah, the whole like. The, the dress was hand down from her grandmother to her mother and her mother to her. And it's just like, I don't know. Do people hand down dresses like that? Like maybe wedding dresses, but... Like something old, something new. I don't know. Something I, borrowed, I, I, something I don't know. Blue. It's just weird. The, the, honestly, I thought at the end of the we were going to find out that Norton was sleeping. Like something, like he was in a coma or something like that or he needed to wake up. But <laughs> Anything, basically. Essentially anything. But yeah, that, that never happened. Because there's this the, t- the moment when he's breaking up with his girlfriend... Uh, over a vid screen and it starts going wonky and he sees a vision or a uh, v- video footage of him kissing Irma and it's just like what's going on here I don't I don't understand now they weren't supposed to take her out on this trip the, the place was already closed the the travel agency was already closed but she offered him two kilos to do it which two kilos plus whatever I, we have no real concept of how much that is it's, a, it's enough it's a it's a lot they from said, the way they 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 seem excited yeah benedict wong says like are you kidding me that's like five years salary so i'm like if they're making a living wage off of what they're doing then i would imagine that was probably like a few hundred thousand dollars maybe yeah so i mean yeah if you assume that we put it into our terms you know a living wage is probably what sixty thousand a year fifty thousand yeah. a year so that's five year salary. So it's that's close to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So they're gonna split that, and each gonna ha- get what's that? About one twenty five. One twenty five. So he's gonna go to he's gonna go on vacation, and uh, Norton wants to move his girlfriend to, to Prime, the the big planet. The apparently, big, like, the, but the big planet that's owned by a corporation. Like that's the whole thing is that you, well apparently that corporation called Primo Primo owns, like, yeah everything yeah exactly they have like the, the they work for the Primo uh, space tours and then there's a few other ones that they mention kind of like offhandedly and yeah so Primo's like space Trump or something like he's <laughs> like this Max Headroom looking character almost that runs everything owns everything and. Um, yeah, so like his fiance has been wanting to live in like the I guess the nice part of the universe, right? And he's like, I don't know if that's what I really want. And then he's like, he's just kind of happy being where he's at and traveling the the galaxy, doing his little job. Yeah, he doesn't really have aspirations, I guess. But it, it's almost like they're trying to say he feels like his life is a little empty, like he's not really working for anything, and he just keeps getting rejected for whatever. And he doesn't fi- he come to find out he doesn't really. He keeps saying he loves his fiance at first, but then I guess when he starts to think about it, he doesn't really because he doesn't dream about her. But does he really not? I like I almost feel like uh Gerald or Geraldine Irma does something to him, like makes it so that he doesn't have feelings for his girlfriend anymore. Like I definitely think that she's making manipulating things somehow, but we just never really know. Yeah. Well, because okay, so then <laughs> we get to the end of the episode. The two of them, they one, they crash land on the planet they're not supposed to go on to, which is not Earth anyways. Yeah. And uh, they get into the spacesuits, which they have for just emergency situations, because this is not a tour that provides a uh, 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 walking around on the planet service. 
then they get out there and they walk around, but then their oxygen depletes almost instantly. Like, that's the fastest I've ever seen any science fiction de- depict oxygen leaving a thing with, unless there's some kind of catastrophic fucking damage to the, to the suit. <laughs> some air leak or something. Yeah. Like, that, they, so then they, I assume they, they're, they suffer from fucking, what's that, oxygen hypoxia or whatever? Hypoxia or something? Hypoxia, yeah. You know, they, and they die in their suits on the, on the planet, but, you know, he, he then has a dream where the two of them, are on uh, uh, some lake in the middle of North Carolina on Earth, which he's never even seen anyways. And the the the, the bicycle he walks past is this, is called the Dreamweaver, just like the spaceship. And they're just gonna live in that fantasy world in his dream or whatever. I don't know. I don't understand what's going on at the end of this episode. So here's what I think happened. So we know early on that the lady's dying. Right. She's the, got like the, the robot assistant, which we haven't really talked about at all. Oh yeah, we completely skipped says, on it. Says that, you know, she's only got two months left to live, anyways. So this is this is if this is the far future, to show us how old this robot is, apparently, it looks like it's made out of like steampunk, like brass and <laughs> cogs and stuff. Like Yeah, it looks like um uh what was that one old TV maybe maybe it's the, the robot from uh the from the original Battlestar. Oh uh, yeah. Kinda looks like that. I think. Uh, yeah, I definitely got that vibe. Not the Cylons, it. but the one no, that's right, right. Yeah, the, the Egyptian-looking robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely got that vibe because it had like a completely solid kind of brass-looking face, mm-hmm. except that when it got inquisitive or angry, like its eyes glowed red, yeah. which is really weird. <laughs> um, and it seems to know that there's a trick going on, that this isn't really Earth they're going to, and he discovers that, and he confronts him about it, but then later he actually supports them in the lie. Right. He, like, corroborates, like, oh, yeah, it doesn't look like Earth anymore, or this area is different because... Mars isn't red anymore. It's green now because of a phosphorus. Yeah, the radioactive activity changed it, and it gave Venus a ring, which I actually thought was kind of cool. I was like, oh, that would be kind of neat. And and made Saturn lose its rings kind of thing. Yeah. So, so the lady's dying anyway. To me, it's almost like she wanted to die on Earth. Right. Because they weren't even supposed to make landfall. You're right. They kind of crash land, and they're like, okay, we're here. Like, what are we doing? Like, let's hurry up and get out of here. Um, you know, they have, like, equipment failure. So, like, the they had put, a, like, a color correction on the screen, which they set up earlier. Right. With um, when they were doing that first tour of the nebula, and it was getting darker. So, they brightened it up, like, artificially. Right. They were kind of doing the same thing. They couldn't do it anymore. So, she wants to go outside. They go outside. And so, like, they had been talking between the two of them before about how like she has dreams and he also has these weird flashes of having the same dream of being on the bicycle and then it turns out that it's him as her great-grandpa and her as her great-grandma like you know just i, guess I don't think it was were, great i think it's just grand they were just grand yeah grandmother and grandfather grandma and grandpa okay so they're out there, and it's almost like he's like, yeah, I don't want to be with my girlfriend. He basically broke up with her over the, like, video messenger. Right. And he he's, he questions what he actually wants out of life. And I guess maybe he just realizes he doesn't want anything except to, like, maybe just make this woman happy one last time that he, she, he just met. And is his senior by, like, at least 50, 60 years. And... um Actually, probably even more than that because he's probably not hundreds of years old, so probably way older. So they go out there. Their oxygen starts depleting. He knows this. I think she kind of gets it. 
So she takes her helmet off. They already established that this is a hostile planet with like a toxic atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can't see anything. It's just green fog everywhere. Right. So she takes her helmet off and then suddenly turns her head and she's like a younger version of herself. Yeah, because it's the younger. She's got a bunch of freckles and, and white hair. Yeah. And then it changes again into the the, pic, the what her grandmother looked like yeah. in the picture. So then she looks like her grandma. She strips off all their clothes. You get to see some weird, you know, space booty, I guess. And then he's like, oh, yeah. So he takes his helmet off. Suddenly they're transported to North Carolina. In a and, watering hole. In a, yeah, <laughs> in like really pretty, you know, foresty area. He strips all of his clothes off, jumps into a, what I can only imagine in reality was probably some kind of methane pool. Probably. If that's really what even happened. But we really don't see them die off. You just know they have to be dead by now. They have to be dead. Either by oxygen deprivation or just because they expose themselves to this But then you also don't planet. know what happens with Andrews or Benedict Wong's character or the robot. Like they, they, He's like, oh, we're taking off, but you never see them take off. Yeah. Is so there it, too much damage to the ship or it what? Just, yeah, you kind of wonder if like the ship is too heavily damaged. So basically this whole thing was just a suicide mission or something. I would assume that they could still leave if they wanted to. So then what does the robot do? The robot's like, okay, well, I guess I'm your robot now, Benedict Wong, or what? He, he is free. Does he? Do they have citizenships as, as a robot in the future? We don't know. Exactly. We don't know anything about this it's, story. It was, it was a frustrating story for that reason. That It seems like it was building up to something, but I don't know what to make of that ending. And I, I went to go, I mean, I, I went and looked at the Wikipedia entry for the Impossible, uh, Impossible Planet, and like it doesn't give you any extra information. Like, I, I seriously think that he just stopped the story there, and that's it. You just take it for what it is. It's like, there's no conclusion. <laughs> I mean, am I supposed to feel happy for, for Norton, who a day ago was was in a relationship and happy with his job and, you know, like, living his life day to day not with the not too many worries but now all of a sudden this old lady comes into his life and he's like oh whoa maybe i don't like my life that much maybe i am looking for something more and now he's dead maybe the point of the story was to tell us that no matter how much we advance no matter how far we come along no matter what we discover ultimately we're just doomed to die <laughs> no matter how much we explore of the of the uh, outer space and the, the uncharted areas, you never know when you might be the reincarnated version of someone's grandfather and she's going to fall in love with you because she really has it for her grandfather. I guess so. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I would love to imagine that maybe they realized, oh, holy crap, like we are the reincarnated person, like souls of our, of these two other people and we finally found each other even though like we're so far apart in, like, in, in this like realm. But like maybe they just figured at least we're together again and now we can die together and start over. But I mean, you really have to dig deep to kind of come up with something like that. And that's probably way off. So the director of this episode was David Farr. He also wrote it, uh, uh, but he hasn't directed too much other than that. It looks like in 2015, he directed something called The Ones Below. And in 1994, he directed a short called Chicken Talk. But he's done a lot of TV writing. He, he wrote uh, eight episodes of MI5. He wrote two episodes of Outcast, uh, an ep- a movie called Hannah. I don't know if that's the Shorsha Ronan movie. Yes, it is. Uh, Interesting. It's actually really good. Uh, he also wrote Ones Below, the one that he directed. He wrote 
the six episodes of The Night Manager, which won uh, a bunch of Academy Awards, I believe, uh, and The Man with the Iron Heart. Oh, McMafia, Troy, Fall, Fall of a City. Oh, there's going to be a TV series for Hannah, apparently. So there's that. Uh, look, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I am now we got we have two more episodes, and I am begrudgingly getting through these episodes now. <laughs> like I am not excited whatsoever. Well, just I feel like there was a missing scene in this episode. The missing could've... ending. Yeah. <laughs> I needed someone to come out and be like, "Okay, what you just watched? <laughs> this is what's happening." We need talking with Chris Hardwick on this one. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe that's what we need. Uh, all right. John, is there anything else you want to say about this episode? No, it just gave me a confused sad. Yes, very much a confused sad. Uh, all right, if anybody else has some insight into this episode or the shorts, the Phil K. Dick short story in general, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mitchipedia, G-E-R. John's also on Twitter as. I am at Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And geekleetradio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.